Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in Alaska as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Well, let's celebrate being at church together today, everybody. So glad that you're with us in the room and online. If you're with us online, we love you. Make sure you let us know where you're watching from and how we can pray for you online, family, as well. Hey, welcome. We are starting a brand new series today. If you're uh, new to ACF, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so excited about where we're going and, and what we're moving into as a church family as we begin this series today called Impact Alaska. And we're moving towards something we call Impact Alaska. It's an event where we actually cancel our Sunday morning services. And instead of doing church, we go out and we are the church to our city. Does that make sense? So, like, we're really excited about that. Yep, we do this every year. And uh, some people have asked, like, well, why don't you just do it on Saturday night? And uh, I always say, because Sunday morning's the point. Like, the point is to kind of get rid of some of this, like, this feeling of this is like a holy moment and the only moment that I can come and worship. No, no, no. Worship happens at any time and through different things. And we worship not only through our songs, but through our service. Does that make sense? And so we're actually going, we're going to be changing oil for single parents and foster families, families of adopted children, and just trying to serve some of them and remove some of that stress from their life. We're going to be out in our city raking yards and doing projects in our community. And here's our goal. Our goal is that we would see one more person show up to be part of Impact Alaska this year than typically attend church on a typical week at ACF. So if, if we typically have, you know, 1,400, 1,500 people out at uh, church a week, we want to see 1,501 at Impact Alaska this year. And I think we can do that. I really do. I believe that we can get involved and engaged. And, and maybe you're like... I don't know, this is the week to, to, to miss church. It's the week you don't want to miss church. I promise you that. It's the week that we get catalyzed as a community and sent out. And every single year, it starts something in people's hearts. Every single year, I hear the same stories of, man, I just, first I needed to serve alongside my brothers and sisters. I feel like I'm part of the family more than ever. Secondly, God stirred something in my soul, and I want to do it again. Because Impact Alaska is not the, not the end-all, be-all. It's the beginning of a movement. And that's really what we're talking about today is that, I will tell you this, I believe that the biggest tragedy in our world today is when human beings live without purpose. You were meant to live with a purpose. God gave you a reason that you are here, and it's a different purpose than, than my purpose, and he's planted things in your soul, and we are meant to live with purpose. Now, some of you are like, no, I got a purpose, but what you're thinking of is that you have a plan. And, and, and do you know that having a plan is not the same as having a purpose? Because our plans, let's be honest, our, our plans, they begin and end with us. They, they often, they terminate on ourselves. My plans are based on, like, how can I build a life for myself? How can I make sure I'm set up for retirement? How can I make sure I build into my family? And, and in so many ways, it's about my world, not the world, right? So plans terminate on us, but purpose terminates on God. It's all about his plan and his mission and who he is and bringing him honor. And I just promise you, that's where true joy and satisfaction comes from. 
A life that's built around you and your plans is not a life of satisfaction. If you want to be satisfied, come to Jesus. If you want to be satisfied, make your life about giving him honor and introducing people to him. And I'll tell you, this is how churches go wrong, I think, so many times, is churches forget their purpose. Like, we forget why we exist. And so what happens is when you forget why you exist, you'll find something to fight about, but it won't be the right thing. And if you've ever seen this, churches can be very divisive places sometimes because what happens is you've got a lot of Christians with all this kingdom potential inside of them and no outlet for it, no plan to use it, and so they're fighting battles that God isn't fighting. They're fighting for things that God's like, hey, I'm over here. I'm doing a work over here, and, and you're upset about the color of the carpet, right? Like things like that that, that, that are just kind of ridiculous but can happen in churches and divide people where, listen, we were meant to fight for something, friends. We were meant to fight for something, and, and, and in, I've learned this. Like if people don't know what to fight for, they will find something to fight for. And listen, what we're fighting for is for the lost in our city. We're fighting for people in our community that don't have the hope that we have. If you're here and you're new and you've never heard about Jesus, we've been fighting for you. And we've been contending for you and praying for you for a very long time. We're so glad that you're here. And I think what we need is a vision. And so as a church family, we have a vision. And, and the vision is simply this, for it to be in Alaska as it is in heaven. That's our vision. If you're like, hey, that's really cool. Did you come up with that? Nope. Jesus came up with that. Uh, we, it, it's it, it's a, a slight alteration to the Lord's Prayer. So the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus teaches them to pray, and a part of that prayer is simply this, that we should pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. We just happen to live in Alaska, right? And so as Alaskans, and if you're online, you can just in interject whatever state that you happen to live in, but, but we, we live for that place to experience heaven in every single way, and that's what God has planted in our hearts, and so we want to bring heaven everywhere we go. Now, what is heaven? <clears throat> I don't know what comes to mind when you think of heaven. You think of like floating on clouds, right? And, uh, you know, maybe pearly, pearly gates and golden streets. And, and for some of you, when you think of heaven, you don't get that excited. And I would tell you the reason you don't get excited about heaven is because maybe you don't actually have a biblical view of heaven. Because heaven's awesome, friends. Like heaven's going to be incredible. And heaven isn't just a place we go. Heaven is a place that's coming here. And if you read the end of the story, what's happening is that when this all ends, at the end of the story, Jesus returns and he reigns on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, they're praying towards a reality that's coming. And you can't stop it. That's the thing about the kingdom of God. It's coming whether you like it or not. The question is, will you be a part of it? Will you both be part of the kingdom as somebody who is living in the kingdom in eternity? Also, will you be someone who brings the kingdom here? Because when Jesus shows up, heaven shows up. And so what happens is that when we get the kingdom inside of us, when we show up, heaven shows up. People get a taste of eternity to come. Heaven is simply God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's what heaven, heaven is God's kingdom. So God, God's kingdom in heaven, in eternity. God's kingdom also here when God uh, comes to establish his reign and rule here. When we introduce people to God's kingdom, we introduce people to heaven. Which means you have to ask the question, what's God's kingdom like? Well, it's incredible. It's a place of no shame. It's a place of total peace. 
It's a place where we're focused on God all the time. It's, it's a place where we experience each other in friendship. It's a place, I'll tell you what, in heaven, you're going to have a job, like a J-O-B. It's coming, friends. And some of you are like, that doesn't sound like heaven. That sounds like hell. But it, it's not. It's heaven. It's like a good job. It's a job where you love to go to it every single day. You see, you were created to work. You were created to do a job, but you were created to do it with a purpose. And when you have a purpose in your life that's greater than yourself, it will bring you the satisfaction that you need. This is the message that we're giving people, is that your life was not intended to be about you. Your life was not intended to build your kingdom. It was intended to build God's kingdom. And and see, if you look at all that's that's terrible in the world, the the worst things in the world right now, they all come from a self-obsession. They come from people that are obsessed with what they want and what they need and what they feel. In a a world that is self-obsessed is a broken and twisted world, and that's where we live, friends. And what happens is that can work its way into the church where we, we maybe give our heart to Jesus, we pray some kind of prayer, yet we still live a self-obsessed life. But that doesn't bring heaven to earth. Because heaven is all obsession with God, not ourselves. In fact, John, John Piper says this. He says, Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. And people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. It is a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. What do you want out of life? What I just read and what I see in the the gospels, what I see in the message of Jesus is that ultimately you were created to give honor and glory to God and bring people to him. We exist as a church family to bring heaven to earth and as much of earth to heaven as possible. To bring our friends to the feet of Jesus. And and heaven's not about a place, it's about the person of Christ. And it's our job to bring that to the world. And this is, this is why I'm so excited about this, this series. I think it's leading not, not just to, to this moment, but to a season and maybe to who we become forever as a church family is that we begin to plant these kingdom seeds in our lives and in our community, and we start to see them grow in a new way. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 16. It says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You are intended to preach the gospel, the good news, to share the kingdom of God with all creation. And I love that it's not just all the people. Sure, we should like preach the gospel to the people, but, but it's, it's in the sense that, that this, this world's going to be reconciled to God in every single way. All of creation will come under the authority and honor of God. And whether you know it or not, you are evangelizing people every single day to something. Do you know that? Like everybody in the room, you're all evangelists. And I don't know what you think of. When you hear evangelist, you might think of televangelist or you might think of somebody like, you know, street corner preaching through a bullhorn. I don't know what you think of when you think of evangelist. And, and in fact, next week we're talking all about what it looks like to evangelize, because that word is, it's kind of been hijacked, and it means a lot of different things to different people. It's actually a really good word, but, but you actually are an evangelist to something. So here's an example. Um, this might be a little divisive in the room, but we'll have fun with it. So where in Anchorage do I find the absolute best pizza? No, 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 no. no Moose's tooth is the answer. Papa John's is second. The correct answer is Moose, Moose's Tooth. No, it's, it's, it's the Chipotle steak at Moose's Tooth. I'm just, that's my favorite. But here, here's the deal. When people come to Alaska, we're not going to argue about pizza, friends. Let's move on. Let's move on. 
When people come to Alaska, they're like, hey, where should I go get some, get some food in Anchorage? I'm like, get you some pizza. Ma- or get not- See, I just said the wrong one. Oh. There it went. You got in my head, bro. You got in my head. Whatever it is, I don't care which pizza place. They're not, they're not giving me any free pizza for this, by the way. Whatever your place is, you're going to tell people to go there, right? What's interesting is like we so naturally talk about the things that we love, right? Somebody's like, where do I go eat? Well, here's what I love to eat. Uh, and if you just went there, you're going to go to work the next day and you're going to tell everybody all about it. You are an evangelist for Pizza Man, Moose's Tooth, Papa John's, whatever. It, what's your favorite place is, you actually are telling people the good news. Hey, it's really good pizza. Here's the question. If you've told more people about good pizza than good news in the past year, what does that mean about your life? What does that mean about your understanding of the gospel? Like, is it actually good news? And if we're real, we got to be honest, like, this doesn't flow from our lips as naturally as it should. And we're called to go into all the world, Jesus says, and preach the gospel to all of creation. We see this in Luke chapter 10. Like, this is really the beginning. Like, the good news being declared. It says, but the angel said to them, speaking to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for, say these words with me, for all the people. So the good news is great joy for who? All the people. All the people, not the, not the church people, right? Not the people who live moral lives, not the people who grew up in the right home, not the people who make the right choices. It's good news for the world. In other words, this is going to change everything about society, everything about the world. It's going to bring, bring great joy to people. Now, in the Greek, this word uh, good news or gospel is the word euangelion. And the, the word good news and gospel throughout the Bible, they're used interchangeably. They're the same thing. And it's one word, euangelion. Now, what is the good news? It, it, this can be defined by a lot of different things. M- many people define the good news as, hey, Jesus saved you from your sins. That's part of it. Jesus died on a cross. That's part of it. L- like, your life can be changed. No more shame. No more sin. You can be healed. Absolutely. That's part of it. But it's bigger than you. Like a good news that, again, if it just centers on me, that's a, that's a very small good news, right? It's bigger than that. The good news is this, that heaven has come and the war is won. Like heaven has come to earth. And when Jesus shows up, he preaches really one sermon over and over again. Jesus had a favorite sermon. And it was simply this. Heaven has come. The, 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 the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. He says this over and over again. Jesus is like, hey, I just showed up. The kingdom of God is here. And if you, if you read in the Bible, in the Gospels, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, again, interchangeable phrases to mean the same thing. Good news has arrived. Heaven has come and the war is won. Like there is a new way to see your life. Repent and believe in the gospel. This word euangelion is where we get the word evangelism. And this is where the word comes. We didn't make it up, right? And in fact, in the first century, the history of this this was, was that there are people who actually shared the good news. And, and, it, and it wasn't even necessarily about Jesus. This was a phrase that began to be used in the church where many times there would be like a battle going on somewhere. And, and you'd be living in a community and, and the, the women and the children would be left in a community and the men would go off to war. And imagine like you're left at home and you're wondering like, is my husband alive? Did they win? Are we going to be taken over by the enemy? What's going to happen? And when the battle would be won, they would identify a soldier. And that soldier would be called an evangelist. And they would send him back on a horse to the communities of the soldiers to share that the war has been won. And see, that's, that's where this comes from, is that that's our job. You are all that person. We are all those people who have experienced and seen that, hey, 
peace is here. The war is won, and we share it with the world. We are all those who exist to share the good news. And I, I believe that people need good news right now more than ever, don't they? I mean, just look at the world. Look at your friendships. Look at the people in your life. Um, don't people in our community need some good news? I mean, we talked on Easter about just how broken the world is, and you just got to watch the news for two seconds to be in a pit of despair and depression, right, because of how broken the world is. Here's, here's the truth, is that when things look like hell, the church exists to give people a vision for heaven. When the world looks like it's just, this is hell on earth, we exist to show people heaven on earth and give them a vision for that. And not just to speak it, but to, to show it. And everywhere we go should be that, that vision of the kingdom of God, that vision of heaven on earth. Because once again, when you show up, heaven shows up. Because when Jesus showed up, heaven showed up. And Jesus says this, he says the kingdom of God, it's not just something out there, it's something that lives in you. And it's something that's spreading and growing. And, and, and again, the thing is, the kingdom of God, it's going to grow and it's going to spread, but will you be a part of it? Will you actually engage with it? And we've been dreaming as a, as a lead team for a while. We've been thinking about what this looks like. And, and I've been just really praying for this next season as a church family that you would take hold of every drop of kingdom potential inside of you. You have influence that I don't have. You have friendships that I will, I will never have. You have skills that I don't have, ideas that I don't have. We need the body of Christ doing what the body of Christ is meant to do. Every part working in a beautiful symphony of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so here's some ideas. We had this vision of seeing Alaska being impacted by all of us as we start to dream about what does kingdom movement begin to look like. And so one thing I need you to see and just notice here is that ACF is not the center of kingdom movement, okay? This is very important is that what we do here is not the center of kingdom movement. It's a byproduct of kingdom movement, okay? And also what we do here is we want to empower kingdom movement, and we want to feed into it and resource it as best as we can. But really, the kingdom movement, it's you guys. It's the family of Christ doing its thing. And so the family of God, when you're out living your kingdom potential during the week, in your schools, in your friendships, at at your job, I just promise you when you come to church, it's going to change your worship. I believe that the way that we worship and the way that we engage with the Word of God together in this room is a byproduct of what the the other six days of the week look like for us. And as you start to engage with that, we're going to see this church. We're going to see like like more and more fire get lit in our church and excitement to worship together. And as this kingdom movement moves beyond this place, we're going to see impact in businesses. We've got business owners and CEOs and all kinds of different people and different career paths here in uh, the building here today. We've got people in government and and politicians that are part of ACF Church who have an impact on our government. And as people live out their kingdom potential, it will change the way that our state is run, right? We'll see families be impacted because you guys have families. You know people with families. Many of you are teachers, and and so you impact the the children and the parents in in a very profound way. We'll see families restored Marriages restored, relationships between father and son and mother and daughter restored because kingdom movement is happening. I see the villages of Alaska being impacted by this kingdom movement, the prison system being impacted and depopulated by this kingdom movement, right? I see mental health in schools. 
I see J-Bear, the bases in Alaska, being a movement to the world as people come here and get lit on fire by God and then get sent out into the world with kingdom potential. I see the homeless issue in Anchorage and, and beyond being impacted by kingdom movement. Listen, God has placed everything we need to change our state in this room today. Everything we need. It's, it's already here. It's already here. We just have to tap into it. We just have to start to dream. And we have to let those dreams move into reality. We've got to get over our insecurities, our thoughts that the enemy would say, hey, you don't have it in you. You're not qualified. You need to go take another Bible class. You need to sit in some more church services before you go. No, no, no. You go. You have a calling to go. And so don't wait for that. Your kingdom moment is now. Our kingdom moment, I believe, is right now. Now, some of you are like, oh, that's really good stuff. But don't people who don't love Jesus do that stuff too? Aren't there people who want nothing to do with God that are trying to impact schools and the, the government? And, and the truth is, yes. And so here's a, here, this is an important question. Is what is the difference between social reform and kingdom movement? This is important that you understand this. Because here is the ditch that we can fall into. Is that we do a lot of good things for people, yet we never impact their eternity. Like we help people and they're like, hey, thanks for the meal. But they don't know Jesus in the end. And, and that's a problem, friends. So, so, like, what does this look like? What does uh, social movement look like in the world? It looks like social justice movements that we see. It looks like racial reconciliation, right? We, we see that and a desire in our culture to, to heal the racial divide. It looks like helping the underprivileged. It looks like ending human trafficking, that that's a problem that we see, and the church is talking more and more about that, but our culture is talking about it as well. It looks like providing health care for people so that they can get healed up. It looks like reducing abortions in our, in our country uh, with, with millions of abortions. It looks like this type of stuff. Like, how do we make an impact on that stuff? But here's what you need to know is that stuff is not the end-all, be-all. Because we can provide people a temporary solution to an eternal problem. And the eternal problem is that people need to be introduced to Jesus. They need to be introduced to the kingdom of God. They need to see where the world is going and so that they can be invited into it. This is so important. These are good things, right? These are good things, but they are not final things. And, and the church has done good things for generations, since its inception. Do you know that the reason that Rome became a Christian nation was because there was a, there was a pandemic that came through Rome in like the second or third century and, and many of the Romans and the government left and moved, and who was left was the Christians. And the Christians took care of the people. And so when many of the, the Romans came back to Rome, the Christians were the majority of the population. And everybody loved them because they took care of them. And all of a sudden, Rome was completely transformed by the Christians loving people. If you look at many of the hospitals um, throughout our nation, many of them have a Christian name or were named after Christian people because... Christians want to help meet practical needs. This is something we have always done, but it cannot be the only thing we do. It's so important that we introduce people to the gospel, to the good news that's beyond this physical life, right? In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 says, if, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, if, if Jesus is like your little emotional support animal, just so that you can get through your day, you're like, I, I just need a little injection of Jesus right now so I can get through Monday. I need a little Bible just to make me feel better. If, if that's all Jesus is to you, like pity you and pity me because we are wasting our time. 
If, there's, if Jesus isn't more than that, if this isn't about a movement of God, and if it doesn't lead to heaven coming to earth, if none of that is true, you guys should be out doing something else right now, chipping ice off your driveway. I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, you should be doing something different if this isn't true. But once again, if it is, which I believe it is, then it changes the way that we live in every single relationship. You see, a kingdom movement doesn't only impact this life, but it impacts the next. We don't just feed people, we also lead them to Jesus, right? And it's okay to serve people, and they don't always know exactly where it came from, but we ultimately want to look for opportunities to show people where our hope lies, right? We want to lead people into the truth. Church isn't just some kind of hospice. You know what hospice care is? It's when somebody is like, they're on their way to death, and the goal is just make them comfortable before death. That's how church can be, especially in America right now. A bunch of people, and our goal is just make me comfortable before I die. No, we're not hospice. Listen, we are a base camp so that we can summit the mountain, so that we can show people the kingdom. That's why we exist, is to go show people the kingdom of God. And this is so key because I think that we can show up and look to be comfortable, right? Like nobody likes to be uncomfortable. And so we can come to church just looking for like a, like a shot of comfort in our arm when really it's about a kingdom movement, Right? And so here in my mind, this would be like a, like a typical church person, just in my mind, on a Sunday morning. Um, this isn't you, so don't worry. This is somebody else. This is somebody else, right? Typical church person, Sunday morning. So 20 minutes before service, you're like, hey, we should go to church. Get the kids in the car, show up, a couple minutes late. So I, I walk in, and, you know, I check the kids in, and I'm like, man, they better give the kids some Bible because I'm going to expect them to get as much Bible as they need for their life out of 60 minutes in kids' church, right? Good luck with that. So then, then I'm going to be like, I'm going to go upstairs, and I'm going to expect coffee because, you know, it's this, not church without coffee, and it's got to be good coffee. I'm going to get my cup of coffee. I'm going to walk into the service, and I'm going to look for my seat, right? Because church people, we got our seats, right? I'm going to find my seat, and God forbid somebody sits in my seat. They can get away with it once, Second time, I'm going to ask him to move, right? And so, so I'm going to walk in, and, and there's, I'm looking for my seat, or, or maybe, maybe like my seat's blocked off by a rope, right? And uh, then I'm really frustrated, you know? And so I just move the rope, because I'm an American, gosh darn it, right? And I'm going to move the rope, and I'm going to sit down in my seat, right? And again, if it doesn't make sense to me, it's dumb. So I'm just going to sit down. I just stepped on some toes. So I'm just sit down, and I'm going to sit in church, and the pastor's going to get up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect a sermon that is theologically deep, but not too deep right? It needs to get into the Greek and Hebrew, but it needs to be accessible for my non-Christian friends, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect to be inspired and, and also challenged at the same time. And then, and then the band's going to get up, and they need to be on fire, right? Like, Mason, you guys got to crush it up here. Like, I, I need some energy. Give me some energy. Move on this, but don't move too much, because this ain't a Taylor Swift concert. Like, don't, don't, get, don't get too crazy on this stage. I want some lights, but the lights can't move too much. A little bit of haze, that's fine, but not too much. Like, let's not get nuts in church, right? So, so I'm going to do that. And then as the service is coming to a close, it's going to be the giving moment, which means I want to go out and get some coffee, right? Which means I want to go out to get my kids to get to the car before the service is over to beat the traffic in the parking lot. And then on the way home, I'm going to have a commentary. And that commentary is going to be like, how did you think church was today? Well, the pastor talked about moving the ropes, and I'm ticked off. Or the kids, you know, they didn't get enough cookies in kids' church or whatever it is. And then we're going to go home, and I'm going to lay in bed with a smile on my face expecting God to bless me because I just did what Christianity is all about. You can clap. I know you're frustrated, but anyway, like, I will fix our space issues uh, one way or another. I, I know that's hard, probably for some of you, you're like, that's a little hard to hear. I want to push you, okay? Following Jesus is about so much more than that. 
It's about so much more than what you do here for the next 20 minutes. Friends, like God has placed a kingdom seed inside of you that he wants to grow that will change lives forever. And it's in every single person who's a Christian. Every single person has a kingdom seed within them. And so Jesus, when he shows up, he wants to give people a vision for this. He wants to show them, like, man, there's so much inside of you that I want to do through you. And first what he does is he models what it looks like to be a kingdom movement in the world. And in fact, in Luke chapter 4, in our last couple minutes together, I just want to read this text. This is, uh, this is Jesus' first sermon, and it's a lot shorter than this one, it's, uh, and it's better, shorter and better. Jesus' first sermon, he's going he's gonna to be very clear, and he's going to make a statement about who he is and what he's come to do. It says this in verse 16. It says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So, side note, Jesus went to church. You should go to church. Just side note. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners in recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love this. Then he rolls up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. This is his mic drop moment, right? The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The prophecy of the the poor being fed, the sick being healed, the lame made to walk, sight for the blind, peace on earth as it is in heaven, it's here. Everything changes in this moment, Jesus is saying. You could have heard a pin drop in the the room. And what he does is he goes on and he he does more than just preach a mini-sermon and get off the stage, Right? Like Jesus, this is the beginning of his ministry. He's going to go out and he's going to show them what this kingdom looks like. And he's going to do it in three different ways. I want you to remember this, that Jesus spoke the good news, he showed the good news, and Jesus was the good news. He spoke it, he showed it, and he was it. And he modeled it for you and for me. He's giving us a vision of like how we're to live in the world. Let's start with speaking the good news. Uh, It says that he's there to proclaim the good news to the poor. Now, when you think of the poor, we tend to think of the physically poor. But Jesus isn't just speaking about the physically poor. He's speaking about the spiritually poor, uh, th- those who are spiritually impoverished. And what's interesting, if you look at Eagle River specifically, um, we don't have a ton of physically poor people. We're, we're a fairly affluent community. I remember when I first moved to Alaska, I had done some homeless ministry, ministry with the needy, and I had come to Eagle River, and I was like, all right, where's the, where's the homeless crowd in Eagle River, and, you know, where's the, the, the low-income part of Eagle River? And most of Eagle River is doing fairly well, like not all of it, but, but we are a spiritually poor community. There is stuff, there's stuff going on behind closed doors of our pretty little doors and our pretty little yards that would destroy your heart. Um, and all I got to do is read the prayer requests every single week that come in online and come in in this room, and my heart gets ripped out of my chest every single week because we live in a spiritually impoverished place. There are also physical needs as well, but definitely spiritually poor. 
And so what Jesus wanted to do was to speak into that, that spiritual, that emotional need that exists. And, and here's the thing. You, yes, you need to serve people and love them, but you also need to speak the good news, okay? Now, I know some of your palms are already sweating. You're like, bro, I don't speak. And that's your job, Brian. Um, I don't talk about it. I don't know the theology words. I, maybe you've never read the whole Bible. Maybe you haven't read much of the Bible at all. I don't know what your, what your situation is, but for most people, they get very uncomfortable with the thought of speaking the good news. And I'm here to tell you, it is absolutely essential for a kingdom movement to begin, that you speak the good news. Now, there's some things working against us because some of you are already giving yourself an out. You're like, well, here's why I don't. Because I heard this quote once. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Anybody heard this quote, by the way? Any hands in the room? Okay, a bunch of you have heard that quote. I love this quote. Because it's like an escape plan. Uh, it's, a, it's a great cop-out for me. When I don't want to preach the gospel with my mouth, I can just do something nice for someone. Open a door. It is so much easier to just open a door for someone. I preached the gospel today by what I did, right? See, I think quotes like that, that aren't in the Bible, tend to give us this understanding that like, hey, if you have to use words, that's, that's great, but mostly just do nice things for people. That's how you create this kind of social gospel where people get nice things done for them, but their hearts aren't transformed by the good news of Jesus. In fact, it was like a few months ago, my wife and I, we do date night on Thursday nights, and we were at a restaurant, had a great meal together, and at the end of the meal, the, the waiter came over and he's like, hey guys, good news, uh, your meal just got paid for by someone. And I was like, well, that is good news. That was, that was great, you know, like... I would have I I gotten a little bit more to eat if I knew that. You know, no, it's like, it was great. And so I was really thankful for that, and, and we left, and we're like, well, that was really nice. That was, that was good news, but you, you know how that good news changed my eternity? It didn't. I don't know why somebody did that. Maybe it was some, one of you. Thank you, by the way. Like, I, I do appreciate it. Thank you. But again, like, if I don't know why someone does something, how am I going to understand the purpose? And this is something that we sometimes throw to the side because we want to do good things. We don't want to speak the gospel because we don't want to make it weird. We don't want to be that guy, whoever that guy is, or that girl. We don't want to make the relationship uncomfortable. But listen, friends, people are going to hell. They're going to spend eternity separated from God. Their families need the hope of Jesus, and you have it. Share it. Speak it. Giving them a meal is great. Giving them Jesus is better, Okay? And we need to do both. Again, don't fall in one ditch where you're like, well, then let's not serve anybody. Let's go over here. And all we do is speak the good news, right? All we do is speak it, but we need to, we need to do both, right? Romans ten fourteen says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How will your friends and family hear the good news if you don't speak it and share that, hey, I serve you because Christ first served me. I love you because Christ first loved me. I forgive you because Christ forgave me. I'm generous to you because Christ is generous to me. It is that easy, friends, to share the gospel with people. Let's go on. He, he moves from, sh- from speaking. He also shows the good news. He does both. Uh, Luke 4 18, it says, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This word proclaim in this text isn't only uh, 
interpreted as, as a word that he speaks, but also something he does. It speaks to healing. That Jesus isn't like telling a poor person, hey, Christ uh, can save your soul. He's also giving them a meal. You know, he's not just telling somebody who's blind, like, hey, Christ can give you peace in your blindness, or God can give you peace in your blindness, and then I'm the peace that you need. He's also healing their blindness, right? Do you know that every miracle Jesus did, he did it with a vision to show people the kingdom of God? So when Jesus would give sight to the blind, he's given them a vision for this eternity that's coming where there won't be any blindness in this world. When he's giving food to the hungry, He's feeding thousands of people. He's giving them a vision for a world that there will be no hunger. When he's telling a woman who's caught up in her sin, who's just looking for water, that, hey, your sins are forgiven. And I can give you not just water for your body, but water for your soul, a spring that will flow up in, in living water and it will never run out. Like Jesus is giving them a vision of what eternity with God is looking. That's, that's the kingdom of God. I mean, think about it. Jesus wasn't just there to meet practical needs. He was there to give them a vision. And, and, and for us, like, we need to do the same. We need to look for ways that we can give people a vision of that kingdom to show the, the, the kingdom of God. I believe that Jesus healed to give people a vision of his kingdom to show them the good news. And the last thing is that Jesus was the good news. He didn't just speak it. He didn't sh- just show it. In other words, he wasn't just kind of changing his behavior and his words, it was who he was. And so here's what you need to know today. Is back to the question, like if you've told more people about good pizza than good news, you got to come back to the gospel and ask yourself, do I believe the good news? Do I believe this for me? I mean, you, you need to know this, man. God loves you so much. And he really loves you right where you're at. And he really wants to invite you into his family. And you have to do nothing, absolutely nothing to be in his kingdom. It is a free gift of grace. And if you haven't, I guess, gotten in touch with that part of your soul in a while, or maybe today you've realized that for the first time, that, man, God really does love me and he's placed some things inside of me, then then that's the seed that begins to grow. Once again, the kingdom of God will grow. It lives inside of you. If it's not growing and experiencing, expanding, you have to go back to it and go, where's the kingdom of God in me? And maybe, maybe today you just have to ask God, God, would you show me your grace in a deeper and more profound way so that I might want to share it with others? Would you show me your love in a deeper and more profound way so I might want to share it with others? Would you give me compassion for the people in my city who have never experienced your grace, God, that I would open my lips and risk the relationship to see someone rescued from hell and into eternity with God? That takes courage and boldness in church. I've been praying for us been praying for you that that boldness would rise up, that you wouldn't be able to resist the call in your life to go and share the gospel. Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, the good news just showed up. The theological word is incarnation. We use it around Christmas because it's when we celebrate that God just came to earth in the form of this baby, right? God in the flesh. That's what incarnation means, is God in the flesh. And your call, our call, is to live incarnationally in the world. That we are to be God in the flesh to the world. That we cast a vision for his kingdom everywhere we go. So what's this look like for you? Where is the kingdom seed in your life? In your business? In your workplace? In your school? In your home? In our city? What, what does it look like? I learned this term years ago, and it always stuck with me, and the term was that God's going to give us all a holy discontentment. And I like that. 
Like you're supposed to be a little lit up about some things in our society. It's good. God, God can use that. You're supposed to go, hey, children shouldn't be treated that way. You're supposed to see things where you go, hey, you shouldn't speak to someone like that. And you're supposed to see things in your own soul and go, wow, I'm, I'm sick in the way that I'm, I have greed in my heart. That's not supposed to be that way. And that holy discontentment isn't meant to cause you to criticize others. It's meant to cause you to be a kingdom agent of peace and healing in that part of our society. And so where is your holy discontentment? What breaks your heart? What frustrates you that God is going, hey, this is what I've planted in you. It, it doesn't frustrate the person next to you as much as it does you. And I'm trying to show you your purpose in the world. And I believe that this is what a kingdom movement looks like. A kingdom movement begins when a group of people collectively commit to speaking, showing, and being the good news in any way they know how. You don't have to go and try to change the whole world. Just change your world. Change your school. Change your friendships. And we're going to see the movement spread, I think, in our state, into the world. Let's stand up. I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of being part of your kingdom movement. God, that you don't only save us, but you empower us to do good works. God, I said a lot of things. I pray that you just allow the things that are distractions to disappear from minds in this room, but that everyone would walk away with that one thing that you have for them. That they would hear that you love them deeply, that your grace is so much greater than they know, and Father, that it's worth sharing, that it's not meant to keep to ourselves, that, God, we were meant to flow from this place into the world. So, God, begin a movement here. Use us, use everyone in this room. Give us boldness, confidence, and joy to be used by you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.